This podcast is made possible by Sage People and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Jennifer Liu, CFO of Aduro Biotech, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 438. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack. As our listeners know well, we like to ask finance leaders how they acquired the skills to become a CFO, but at the same time, ask them to identify those skills they would like to add to their team today. And so we thought we'd highlight some of their answers to both those questions in this episode titled, The Skills Development Path. We begin after these words from our sponsor. Hello, Jack here. I have a message for you from the folks at Sage People. Decisions about your people should be driven by data. But is your HR department still using spreadsheets to keep track of your people? It's time to move to cloud. Understand what makes your employees tick. Know your best performers or determine absence trends. All with a cloud HR and people system. Sage People empowers organizations to respond quickly and easily to changing priorities in today's shifting world of work. It means you can make sure your workforce is able to adapt while staying connected and engaged wherever they are. Discover how to get instant insights at your fingertips. Visit us today at sageintech.com forward slash sage Dash people. In the past, when we've asked finance leaders what skills they're looking to add to their teams, what, what experiences did they want to add to their teams, few finance leaders gave us a more concise and thoughtful answer than Bruce Hartman, the former CFO of Foot Locker. Now, Bruce's CFO career actually began at May Department Stores, where he recalls first identifying what he refers to as the five characteristics of highly effective finance executives. Here's Bruce. Along the way, I coached and counseled and was made the CFO of a very large billion-dollar division of uh, new department stores. You know, one of the great things about May department stores is they have great training young executives, and you, you, you know, you learn very quickly when you're the number one finance person, you are ultimately responsible for all financial decisions, but there's, uh, it's virtually impossible to be part of every decision, so one of the things that uh, I learned was you have to have a good organization, and you have to look beyond the resume of the people, you have to look for five important characteristics if you were going to assign and delegate responsibility to other people. So, you know, those five things that I learned, number one was, you know, look for people who have the ability to get things done. 
And we know those people. Those are the people that you have a conversation with. They, they hear what you have to say. And they always surprise you with their ingenuity in getting things done, no matter how difficult the task. So that was number one. The second thing was uh, surround yourself with people that listen to learn. These are people that ask questions first and state their opinion second. The third is, as I said before, knowing the details is really important. But beyond knowing the details, being able to analyze effectively is very important in terms of understanding what the details are telling you. So it was the third characteristic they looked for. The fourth is surround yourself with people that develop other people. Because in every organization, there's invariably openings. And it's uh, very um, disruptive if you have to go to the outside to hire people. So if you have managers working for you, I found uh, they developed other people. You could quickly fill any of the openings that would pop up uh, here and there um, throughout a year. And being able to have people that were already ingrained in the culture, knew the system, and were up-and-coming people was very important. So we really relied on managers that had the ability to develop others. And the fifth is people that had a results orientation. So in other words, their first thought was, how do I get things done? How do I get them done well? And what, what can I do next to help folks? So those five things, again, the ability to get things done, number one. Number two, um, an ability to listen to learn. Three, analyze effectively. Four, develop others. And fifth, have a uh, results orientation. So uh, what I found, particularly in this, this first assignment, um, is that by selecting and promoting people with these characteristics, many of the decisions that we made became successful. And in fact, in my first year as the CFO for this division, in almost all of the uh, financial statistics that measure a company, we were number one in all of uh, the major private stores. So it's not because of me, it was because of the great people that uh, I hired and speaking to these principles. Our next finance leader, I think you'll agree, is just as concise as Bruce. When she looks back, and explains how she acquired the skills were required to become a CFO. Renee Hornbaker is today CFO of Stream. Here's Renee. Well, I think there are three things that I could point to. I started my career in public accounting, and what that gave me, I believe, is a good foundation, a solid technical base. It also gave me experience with multiple businesses and industries, which helped me become a quick learner and have a broad scope of, of experience. And I also had the opportunity to work on numerous mergers and acquisitions when I was in public accounting. And that's been somewhat of a theme throughout my career as I've been involved with mergers and acquisitions. So that, that was the foundation. I think the second thing is that I took risks in my career. I took on jobs to gain experience where I had none. So, for example, after I left public accounting, I took a job that had responsibility for planning and IT and risk management and treasury. And you might ask, well, how does an accountant have the capabilities to do all of those things when you haven't 
done those before. And it was really just, I, I learned to be a quick learner. I learned to ask great questions. And I had great mentors to help me. And that enabled me to take risks along the way. And um, that variety of experiences, I think, very reasonably early in my career really helped. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Uh, this is something that I, I have found that is particularly hard for women. We think if we do a good job, we'll be recognized and we'll get the, the opportunities and rewards. And what I have found is that if you don't express an interest in what you want, they will assume you don't want it. And I think women are just afraid of being pushy, but I think, I think that has changed now. And I think that figure out what you want your career to be or what opportunities you'd like and make it known and ask for the opportunities. Don't just sit back and wait for them to come to you. And then the third thing was the last uh, position before I became a CFO was Vice President of Business Development and Planning. And what that enabled me to do is work with the business to really help drive the strategy of the business and then also uh, working with them on mergers and acquisitions so that I really developed an understanding of what the business expectations are from the finance organization and how the finance organization can contribute. When we asked Bruce Felt, CFO of Domo, what he wished someone had told him before he entered the CFO office, he told us he wished someone had told him that it was a sales job. Here's how Bruce put things in perspective for us. And then the other main characteristic is, do they have the right attitude? And the one part I really look for is do they have the attitude of what can I do for the company or do they have the attitude of what can the company do for me and so if I can get those that really care about the company then married with great talent and potential then that group can do a group of 10 can do what a group of 100 can do in most other places so that's where I spend my time on the talent side. I, when I entered, when I entered public accounting, it was Deloitte and Two specifically. You know that that industry, particularly the larger firms, it's pretty much an apprenticeship type environment. You come in with, you enter having proficiency technically from school and accounting, but you there there really is no way you really know how to apply it without the help of the organization itself. And so that organization did a fantastic job at one, continuous training, but two, the leaders, that is the partners, the managers, and the seniors really did spend one-on-one -on -one time with you to give you feedback on how you're doing pretty much after every job. So every four to eight weeks, you were getting, uh, you know, reviews. And along the way, people were guiding you on on how to do a better and better job. And that's why I found that experience so um, enlightening and so valuable to me, is because that continued on through my whole career there. Um, outside of public accounting, it's a lot harder to find mentoring, uh, particularly out 
particularly in the high tech world, because things are moving so fast, nobody has time to do anything. They can't even do their own jobs. But so that's I really haven't found it outside of it, but but I did get it in the most important years of my career, which were the first seven, and I found that extremely extremely valuable to me for the rest of my career. Back at the beginning, I don't know that I really appreciated the non-technical aspects of what's really required to be successful. You know, my general posture is, yeah, if I, if I knew what to do, then I would be successful. You know, if I just knew, can come up with whatever the answer was, then yeah, I'd be successful. So it's more of a kind of a, a technical point of view of what success was. But yeah, I wish people would, would have told me because I had to figure it out as I went along is to really be successful, you had to be a well-rounded business person. It wasn't about being a technician. You had to develop leadership skills to manage organization. You had to have a collaborative point of view because you really did need the help of others and you needed to be able to influence others and you couldn't be a jerk about it. Otherwise, you wouldn't get anything done. And maybe the maybe the most... Uh, unappreciated point that I wish I would have known earlier was the fact that you're really in a sales position at time. Like you are selling all the time. You're selling the company to your employees. You're selling the future to the investors. You are pretty much selling your point of view to others. And boy, that turned out to be a pretty important characteristic that I don't think they teach you in school. <laughs> So, yeah, it would have been nice to have known that early, but maybe, I, you know, some of these things I think you just have to learn over time because it's just not obvious until you are in the hot seat for a while and you realize how important each, these factors are. We'll be back after this. Technology adoption, business partnership, strategic direction, resource optimization, and honestly, scalability, right? We are past the point in business of throwing people to solve problems. Like, let's take a five-second pause and RIP to that business strategy, right? <laughs> you can't just throw people to solve problems anymore. Hi, I'm Rowan Tonkin, your host at Being Planful. You just heard from Chris Ortega, a recent guest on the show. If you want to hear from guests like Chris talking about today's trends for tomorrow's FBA leaders, you can subscribe at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcast. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Few finance leaders provided us with a more thoughtful critique 
of people development inside a large corporate than Andy Mandel, CFO of CoolSys, whose finance roots run deep into both the world of Pepsi bottling and the Walt Disney Company. Here's a little of what Andy shared with us. I think that the, uh, the first thing that comes to mind as I developed my career was when I was at Pepsi, I was there for about nine years. The first real managerial role I had. Uh, it wasn't a CFO role yet. It was a, a manager of financial planning. It was the first time I had responsibility for staff. And being an individual contributor is a much different role than trying to manage uh, and get work done through a multitude of people. Because I went from just being responsible for me to suddenly having seven people of varying backgrounds and capabilities. They had to pull together as a team and, and make them uh, productive. And that included some accounting responsibilities as well as financial responsibilities. So it, it was a great learning experience. And, and I think that the first time I actually got to use a lot of the stuff that I I thought I knew in business school, but you don't really learn it until you get in the real world. But the practical experience of working in a company um, with a lot of other really smart people, and that happened at Disney and, and Pepsi both. They both hired really, really competent people. Um, and, and I think... First of all, you got trained in a series of managerial experiences that you couldn't have. Pepsi was very structured in the fact that they would do a performance review and they'd say, you know, you need to work on your writing skills. And the next thing you know, you got a, you know, get an email or a call saying, there's two writing classes next month. Which one are you going to? Um, and you develop the, the, the skills and the attributes you needed to broaden your, your overall experience. Um, and I think at a big company, you're able to, while you're a little bit you know, only looking at a little piece of the pie. The interesting thing about being in the bodily end of the business where I was at, it was a full standalone business. We had our own sales, marketing, manufacturing, distribution, uh, pretty much the whole breadth of, of, of the company. We didn't do new, new development because that came out of corporate, but we really ran a standalone business and we had our own financial operation in the market as well. So I, I think you got a, I got a tremendous exposure to every area from, you know, HR aspects of dealing with unions and union organization and, and grievances and, and, and so forth to um, dealing with marketing and sales and learning their aspects of the business and how you as a financial person could add value as they were looking at different alternatives on pricing and discounts. Um, Pepsi was a great place for developing people. It's got that reputation as well deserved for a great uh, people development company. And I was actually in our, in our corporate office in, in Purchase, New York, which is not that far from you. And uh, I, um, I, I was up there for our human resource planning process. We did that. We did a whole business planning process and then we did a human resource planning process here around people and where they were going and developing. And, you know, I remember sitting in a bar with a guy that I, I worked with who had worked his way up. He didn't have a college education. He'd worked his way up to a regional finance job by just bootstrapping his way. And I remember sitting there and probably had a few drinks at that point. He said, you finance guys. He said, you know, because I was one of those NBA types. He said, you do these fancy presentations and get up there. and You're going to get promoted. You're going to move on. And, and, and that's great for you. But what does it do to the organization? Have you left your organization better off than when you came? Have you grown the, the people? Have you mentored the people who work for you? Is the place better for you having been there? And those are questions that I had never asked myself before, because to be real honest, I think I was very focused on my own internal uh, 
career growth and where I was going and hadn't thought about the fact that where my team was going had a big impact on where I ended up. And, and to this day, I try to keep those those pieces in my mind. I, I just can picture sitting there. It's in the Stoker's Hotel. I can just picture it when he's telling me that, um, that that's, you know, kind of pointedly, you know, pointing out things that I hadn't thought of before as early in my career as a manager. And I, I try and keep that close to my, my thought process um, as to, you know, how do I make the people who work for me better uh, and create a better organization than I had yesterday. Hey, don't forget, we're always happy to hear from you. Drop me an email at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. As always, thank you for listening.